the God of angel armies is by my side. The one who is good, the one whose love endures forever, is always with us and lives with us and walks with us. I am thankful today, not just for Thanksgiving, not just that Thanksgiving's over. Sometimes we're thankful that Thanksgiving's over. I need a vacation for my vacation. Um, but I am thankful for, for the Lord and for how he is the God of angel armies. He is the God of all creation. He is the God, the Lord of hosts, who loves us. Would you pray and pray with me um, and ask God to speak to us today? Lord, your word is good. You are faithful. Speak to us. Speak to us. Let it not just be a Sunday that passes or something at the tail end of a long weekend, but we've come here to meet with you. And you've called us to be your people, to walk with you in humility and obedience, in your presence and your love. Lord, give us the joy. Give us the understanding. Give us the patience. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. We've been looking at the life of Elisha. We've actually, this is our last service in a series of the life of Elisha. And I don't know if you've gotten a lot out of this, but it's been about breakthrough, that God brings breakthrough. Have you seen those moments of breakthrough? Have you seen those in the stories um, where Elisha, as his mentor Elijah is now leaving, is now going to be with God in heaven and the chariots of fire come, and Elisha wants that double portion of God's spirit, uh, that that double portion of, of, of Elijah's spirit. He, he wants to be able to do the things that Elijah has done. And he has to lead and become this leader, but doesn't know how and doesn't know if he's the right person. Have you seen those moments of breakthrough? A double portion? Do you remember the bailout in the desert when the kings were running ahead of God, where the kings decided to do their own thing? And yeah, yeah, they ran ahead. But God, even in those moments, brought the streams of water, just appeared, and that ended up being the deliverance that they didn't even have to fight the battle. You're thinking, I don't know if I remember that. You might have to go back and review. This is like in my course, whenever I'm about to finish a unit, we go through the review before the exam, right? This is the review. I guess life is the exam. Do you remember the Shunammite woman who wasn't expecting a son, but God blessed her with that son later in life, and then he died. And yet the Lord brought him back to life uh, through the ministry of Elisha. Her son was brought back from the dead. If that's not a breakthrough, I don't know what is. And as those were precursors of Jesus and showing who he would be. Do you remember the incure for the incurable? Naaman, who had leprosy, no one else could handle it. It didn't matter how important he was. It didn't matter how successful he was, it was only God that could heal. Do you remember the, uh, we heard from Barry about debt and how like the woman who, who couldn't even afford to pay for her children, that God provided oil that didn't run out until all the buckets were filled to pay off her debts and to even give money for her children to live on. Some of us need to hear about that. I heard that credit card debt, somehow we've managed, while we did a lot of savings during pandemic, somehow we as a nation have managed to get into more credit card debt than we had before the pandemic. Record numbers. I knew we could do it. <laughs> we're, we're a nation of achievers, I guess. I, I, I don't know. Not, do you remember the unseen army? 
David preached last week about how the God of angel armies, open the eyes of our hearts, Lord. Oh, would you, Elisha prayed, would you open his eyes, the eyes of his servant, that they would see that the ones who were with him, the armies of the Lord, were far greater than the armies that had surrounded the city. That the God who is good, that he is with us. We've seen these moments of breakthrough. Have you been living breakthrough in your life? Has it actually translated to where you're having faith in those difficult circumstances, where you're having patience to see God bring about his deliverance? Has this series actually brought about some success in the breakthroughs in your life? Um, Can you think about even Thanksgiving? Were they moments of breakthrough for you, or were they moments of breakdown? You know what I'm talking about, right? Were they moments of great peace and joy and maybe restoration in relationships or just times of great sweet prayer with some family or some friends? Was it a moment of breakthrough? Or were you just about to like <clears throat> strangle the turkey? Not, not any relatives, but strangle the turkey because it didn't come out right or the food didn't get done right or you know, some kind of panicky thing. Mine was the lawnmower. Usually Thanksgiving, you know, you kind of run all the gas out of your lawnmower at the very end, right? You know, to make sure it, that way it'll start in the spring when you need it again. So I usually, it's, you know, the grass is done. I don't need to cut it again. It, I, I'm, I'm good about that. And I couldn't get it to start. That's the problem you have in the spring when you don't do this. So I was doing what was right, and it wouldn't start. And I'm just like, oh, I wanted to set the thing on fire. I'll get all the gas out of there one way or another. <laughs> you have these moments of, of breakdown when you're upset, especially when it's things that are spiritual, things where you were counting on the Lord to come, where you thought God was going to come through, where you had trusted and you thought he was good. You thought his love endured forever. You've heard this over and over again. And yet you in that moment, it just doesn't seem like, well, he's been faithful. It doesn't seem like he's ever going to answer that prayer. You don't know how it's going to work out. In 2 Kings, um, we're going to look at a passage today um, where um, <clears throat> Elisha um, is, is, is once again under attack, and he's with the cities, and he's in Samaria. And we see in 2 Kings um, <clears throat> that, that God is bringing about a great miracle. Let's read today in 2 Kings uh, chapter 6. It says, Sometime later, Ben-Hadad, the king of Aram, once again mobilized his entire army and marched up to lay siege against Samaria. And there was a great famine in the city. You know how it goes. The armies surrounding the city, they're not letting any food or water get in. They're not letting any any help or assistance get in. These were how battles were fought in days of old. And maybe, as we're seeing, could even be fought in present times. There was a siege, and there was a great famine in the city. The people were starving. It says the siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 shekels of silver and a quarter cob of of just the seed pods for five shekels. Just the leftovers, just whatever you wouldn't even normally eat, the things that you would normally throw away, these were going for a fortune. Verse 26, as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him, help me, my lord, the king. The king replied, if the Lord doesn't help you, where can I get help for you? 
The king is at a desperation point. He knows that he can't solve any of the problems. They're under siege. There's no more food or water. There's no military strength for a breakthrough. If the Lord doesn't help, who, where are you going to get help? From the threshing floor? From the wine press? It's empty, lady. How am I? I know I'm the king, but I can't help. Then he answered her, what's the matter? I guess I might as well know. I can't do anything. I know I can't do anything. It doesn't matter that I'm the leader, but go ahead and tell me. And then we hear one of the most horrific statements made in the Bible. She answered, this woman, the woman who was with her, this woman said to me, give up your son so that we might eat him today, and tomorrow we'll eat my son. So we cooked my son and we ate him. And the next day I said to her, give up your son so we might eat him. But she has hidden him from me. Oh my gosh. I, I mean, I, there are things that I feel like should not be in the Bible. There are stories that I feel like just shouldn't even be like, like we see the devastation. We see the desperation. We see the just utter despair of we can't survive. How are we going to live? Our children aren't going to make it. I guess it's reasonable that we'll just become cannibals and eat our own children. I guess we're at that desperation moment. I can't imagine what would bring a person to that point. I can never, I've never been through any kind of situation that would ever even make me consider this would even be possible. But I think they're out there. I, I, I think there could be that kind of despair. I, I think there could be that kind of hunger. I think there could be that kind of desperation. And here's what I want to say to you today. I think God's word tells us this. Hold on. Even when you don't believe that, even when you, even when you believe that the circumstances, you believe them, that they are beyond uh, what you can bear. Even when you think you can't handle it, hold on. Don't give up on your principles. Don't give up on your principles. We've all been watching the news. We've all seen, and, and Pastor Barry led us in a prayer, and we're praying for the peace of Israel. We're praying for peace in Gaza. We're praying for the Ukraine. We're praying for war-torn areas all of this year. This is those moments when you're truly looking at, yeah, there's famine. There's no food. Finally, we're seeing some bit of relief aid get in to the people of, uh, 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 to the Palestinians. But I mean, it is desperation. It is desperation. But that seems so far away until I, I don't know, look at the news and see that on our own borders, that there are camps of migrants. Have you watched this in California? Where, 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 these, where they're opening up the borders in some little ways and, and, and the coyotes, these ones who smuggle people across the border, were telling them, oh, just wait here. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll pick you up and they'll, they'll do something for your immigration status. And putting people just in like homemade camps, put enough to, just wait here. Border Patrol will come and get you and then they'll, they'll help you become citizens. And all they're really doing is being deported. And it's just this vicious, endless cycle. And the people are there without food, without water. If it weren't for like the kindness of, of strangers, there, there is no plan. And people are just out there starving. It, it's among us. Don't give up on your principles. We don't have to take political sides. We don't have to figure out what's the right thing to do. There are all kinds of complexities in the political sides, but what you need to do is love our neighbor. What we do need to do, 
What we always need to do is care for those who are less fortunate. What we always need to do is when we can give something, when we can help, brothers and sisters, we've got to help right here in our backyard this Christmas season and every day. Don't give up on your principles when you're desperate. See, here's what the scripture promises us. We hold on to those promises, not only that God is good and his love endures, but listen to this from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 13. It says, no temptation, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. We all face these kinds of trials, but God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Brothers and sisters, in these moments when we're like, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to pass this test. I don't think I'm going to get through this class. I don't know how. I could just kind of get my friend to help. I could just kind of lean over and maybe look on that paper. Maybe I could just cheat just a little bit. Anybody tempted there in graduate school, undergraduate school? I've been in college a long time. I've been, I've, been, I've been around the high school world a long time. I've been around the graduate student world a long time. And I have heard these stories. Because remember, I was always the chaplain. Then people feel like they got to confess they're cheating to you, right? And I'm just like, oh my goodness, shouldn't you be done with cheating? I mean, I understand you're in middle school, they're tempted to cheat. But shouldn't, you're in graduate school, shouldn't you be done with the whole cheating thing by now? Shouldn't you? Yeah. And it's still there. Can you falsify something? Can you get past it? Don't give up on your principles. But here's a way we could get by with our taxes. Here's a way we could just make a, make a little fudge a little bit here or there, right? Don't give up. On your principles. Do what is right. Do not give way to fear. That's what First Peter tells us in First Peter chapter 3. Be like Sarah, who did, did what was right and did not give way to fear. She's our example. He's our example. Jesus is our example. Trust that God, that these temptations that come in whatever form are not beyond what you can bear. Well, the king certainly thought it was beyond what he could bear. And in verse 30, it says, when the king heard the woman's words, he ripped his clothes. He ripped his royal robes. He tore them up. He just was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. And in this moment of agony, ripped his clothes. And as he went along the wall, the people looked. And they saw that under his robes, he had sackcloth on his body. You know what that was about, right? You know what the sackcloth was about, right? What is sackcloth? You know what he's talking about. It's those like, have you ever had a sack of potatoes? You know, it's those big burlapy kind of like, and I mean, it's just as itchy as all get out, right? It is just coarse and you wouldn't make an outfit out of it, right? He's wearing it underneath of his clothes. Why? because it's an irritant. He wants it to irritate his skin. He wants it to cause this constant uncomfortableness. Now, he's going through the worst time of his whole kingship. He's going through the worst time of his leadership. Why in the world would he want to make himself more uncomfortable? Because he was seeking God. He was seeking God. Sometimes when we're in those de desperate times, we need to take times of fasting. We need to take times of prayer. We can take times of 
wearing sackcloth. I've never done that. I don't know if anybody's ever done the whole, that's not a thing we really do. But they did this to make themselves uncomfortable, that all day long that itchy irritant would just remind them, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Lord, without you, there's no way out. Lord, without you, there's no breakthrough. God, I need you. He tore his robes, and the people realized he had been seeking, he had been praying, he had been asking God, God, deliver, God, deliver, God, deliver, God, deliver, God, deliver. God, deliver. God, save. Have you ever gotten there? Just family situations that, that it's like, Lord, I need you to move. God, financial say, Lord, I need a breakthrough. Lord, we need you to. And it just seems like God is not coming. It just seems like God is not answering. It just seems like God is not there. The king had been in this place for some time. The, the, the siege had lasted so long. They were out of food and a donkey's head was going for a small fortune. He reached it. You know what it is, right? The breaking point. He got there. He got it where he lost his cool. He got it where he lost, the emotions came over him. He just was done. He'd been seeking God. And he says this and cries out in verse 31, May God deal with me, be it ever so severely, if the head of that prophet, that prophet Elisha, son of Shephet, remains on his shoulders today. I'm going to, I mean, I'm done. I am done. I've been seeking God. I've been trusting in God's word. I've been asking the God for help. The prophet hasn't done anything. He's the one who's had all these miracles. We've heard about him in the past. We've seen sons come back from the dead. We, we, we've seen armies blinded and, and God's uh, restoration come. We've seen waters in the desert. But here, he's not helping this time. I've reached the breaking point. He's not come through on my schedule. And, 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 and look, I've waited. I've been patient. I've been there. We're done. We're done with this. We're done with this God. We're done with this prophet. We're done. And verse 33, it says this. The king said, this disaster is from the Lord. Why should I wait on the Lord any longer? And he snapped. Have you gotten there? Have you gotten there? I have. I lived most of my life where I thought God was always good. And his love has just been seen in my life over and over and over again. But I remember, I remember the day. I remember the day that I was like, God, I prayed and I prayed and it's been years and it's, God, and it's hurt and it's been years and God, it's been years and you haven't answered and you haven't restored and you haven't, Lord, maybe you're not good. You gotten there? Brothers and sisters, this passage tells us that we hold on. We hold on even when we believe that circumstances are beyond what we can bear. We hold on and we don't give up on our principles and we don't give up on God. We don't give up on God. And here's why. Because that promise is still true. Did you see it in 1 Corinthians 10, 13? No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. 
in those moments of breakdown, in those moments of breaking apart, in those moments, God actually has made a promise. He is faithful. And we need to learn that the Lord is faithful, that he is good, and that his love endures forever. He is good. So don't break down. He will provide a way out. Well, as the king gets there uh, to, a, to <laughs> basically end Elisha's life, we see this in chapter 7. It says, Elisha replies, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says about this time tomorrow. See ya, a, a, a big, big bag of flour, a finest flour, that, that, that'll sell for a shekel. And, and two of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. In other words, food is going to be on sale. I mean, you're going to be getting the best bargains of your life tomorrow. Tomorrow. Don't give up on God. His promise comes through. But why Tomorrow. Why tomorrow? Anybody remember the little song, The Sun Will Come Out Tomorrow? You know, it's like from the Annie, the musical, right? Anybody, you know, it's going through your head. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be sun. Everybody, tomorrow, tomorrow, I'll love you tomorrow. I'm thinking, well, okay, what? it's only a day away. And it's like, yeah, but it's, it's always tomorrow. Why not now? Why not now? Why not now? I think in my walk with Jesus, this is one of the things that he's taught me is that the Lord is about building us into that image of Jesus, into a people of great endurance and patience, a people who are able to joyfully give thanks to the Lord, that we become those by going through just pushing a little bit farther. You're already seeing the pictures up there about tomorrow. Uh, Joan and I went to go see uh, Jermaine uh, do his uh, weightlifting competition. And some of you guys know Jermaine. He's been around here some. He's a member down at the church. Uh, he was part of the campus ministry at Towson. And uh, he's uh, down um, at a church at Union uh, Baptist Church. And, man, that guy is running some kind of Bible study right now. I think it's on Jesus and fitness or something, he tells me. He's doing his you know, doctorate in physical therapy and all this stuff. And he's got, I think they do 20 minutes of Bible study and then 20 minutes of push-ups and then 20 minutes of Bible study and 20 minutes of weightlifting. And tw- I mean, he's got people there the most in-shape Bible believers I've ever seen. Um, the guy lifted, um, deadlift, something like 675 pounds. That's like a truck. Okay, maybe not. But it's, it's close enough. I mean, 675 pounds. That's like a lot of me's, man. I mean, I, I mean just, I was like, um, and he made it look easy. And I was like, I couldn't move that with a forklift. I mean, it was, it was gigantic amount of weight. Now, he didn't go in there and say, hey, guys, I think I'm going to give this a shot. It was training after training, day after day, week after week, month after month. There, there, there was just a little bit more. You have to push your body to that breaking point. You push your body until your muscles are sore. You've got, you've got to get to that point so that you're ready to go. I don't know if Juwan's inspired. <clears throat> I went back and had more for Thanksgiving. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm, I've got a different muscle. I, I don't know how I'm going to get there. But God is good, and he takes us to tomorrow. He makes us wait a little bit longer than what we think we're going to get. get. He, he lets us reach that breaking point because it's in those moments of desperation that we find out that he is good. It was interesting that week that I had my breakdown. It was that week that there was breakthrough. 
It was that week that I saw the goodness of the Lord. Oh, it had been years. It had been decades, in fact. But it was that week. The week that I began to actually finally question God's goodness. Like, God, I've been... That there was breakthrough. He brings us to that point so that next time we'll be stronger. And we won't get upset at the lawnmower, hopefully. All right, let's keep looking at the story. In chapter 7, it says, The officer, though, who was on the king's arm, he was leaning on, the, uh, said to the man of God, it says, Look, even if the Lord opened the floodgates of heavens, could all of this happen? Psh, no way. And Elisha says, No, your eyes are going to see it, but you're not going to eat any of it. Ooh. All right, so what did we learn? Hold on. Even when you believe that circumstances are beyond your beyond what you can bear, hold on and don't doubt God's word. This is what this guy did. I, I, he didn't believe it. He didn't think it could happen. Well, here's how the story ends. In uh, chapter 7, verse 3, it picks up and says, there were four men with leprosy. They were at the entrance of the gate. You get where they are? They're not being let in the city because, well, they got leprosy and that's a you know, contagious disease, so they're keeping them on the outside. They can't go too far because the army's surrounding the city, so they're kind of in the doorway. They're kind of hanging out there, and they say to each other, look, why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, we'll sneak in there. Well, there's famine in there, so we die. There's no food in there. If we stay here, well, there's no food here. We're just going to die. If we go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender they might spare us and then we live or they'll kill us and we die. So you got three options that would end in death, one option that ends in, a poss- you know, in, in, in life, but let's just go with the possibility. Let's, it's, it's, it's 50-50, we'll give it a shot. The other two options are guaranteed death. These guys would pass my logic class. And so they go with the option of let's go over to the Arameans and it says at dusk that they went out to the camp of the Arameans and when they reached the edge of the camp, there, were, there was no one there. For the Lord had caused the Aramean army to hear the sound of chariots and of horses and of a great army. And they said to one another, look, oh no, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and the Egyptian kings to attack us. Verse 7, so they got up and they fled in the dusk and they abandoned their tents and their horses and their donkeys. And they left the camp as it was and they ran for their lives. There was no army. The Hittites weren't there. The Egyptians weren't there. They just all of a sudden had kind of a mental woo, and they kind of got all afraid, and they got scared, and they thought they heard the sounds of armies coming, and they took off. They left their stuff. They left their horses. They left their their belongings. They left all their food and all their supplies. They left everything behind and just took off for the hills. They were gone. They ran all the way home. They ran to another country. I mean, they were gone. Now, the men who had leprosy, they reached the edge of the camp in verse 8. They entered one of the tents. They ate and drank. The food was still there. It was probably maybe still warm on the pots. It was delicious. They... They found stuff, people's stuff. There was some silver, some gold, some clothes. They went off and hid it. They returned and entered another tent. They took some things from that. They hid it also. These guys have gotten the windfall, and they are making some money. Here they go. It says, look, finders keepers, right? I mean, and they are keeping all the stuff. Verse 9, then they said to one another, "Um, what we're doing is not right. This is a day of good news, and we're keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let us go at once and report this to the royal palace. Brothers, sisters, 
Friends, what do we learn? Hold on. Hold on. God's provision is already here. Hold on. Today is a day of good news. Just like they said, today is a day of rejoicing. Today is a day of good news. You as followers of Jesus, if you are a believer in Jesus, if you are someone who has made, given their life to Jesus, guess what? You have good news today. Wait, what? Good news today. What do I mean? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We, as co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. It's now. It's now. Jesus has already come. Jesus has already died for your sins. Jesus has already risen from the dead. It's now. We always celebrate. We always have this guarantee of new life. We always are having ourselves treasured and chosen and hidden with him in eternity. We belong to Jesus forever. In Revelation chapter 13, for the end of all things, it says this, and it was given power to wage war against God's holy people. This is about Satan. This is about the Antichrist. This is about all of these disasters to come and to conquer God's people. And it was given authority over every tribe and people and language of nation. All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast and all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life the lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. There's going to be some bad days in the future. There's going to be antichrists and beasts and whatever that's coming. We don't know it all. We can't figure it all out. But it is there. It is coming. There's bad stuff coming. But in the midst of it, the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. God's plan for salvation has always been existence. His plan for our redemption, our rescue, our salvation has always been. We can trust that Jesus is alive and has eternity already in his hands for all of us. Today is the day of salvation. So hold on, people. God's provision is already here. So today's a day of good news. Brothers and sisters, today's a day when we need to share it. Today's a day when we need to share it. We need to share his salvation. Look at what the le four lepers said. They said in verse 9, look, it's wrong. What we're doing is not right. Today is a day of good news, and we're keeping it to ourselves. Uh-oh. You see the logic, right? There was tons of food. There was wealth. The city was right there starving to death, and they've got a Thanksgiving feast like no other. They've got plenty for everyone and plenty for people to share and spare, and the gates are open. People can go out and buy more food, and they've got money that they can steal and go buy with. It's great. Everything, God's provision is there for them. <clears throat> but they were keeping it to themselves. It wasn't right. 
They figured it out pretty quickly. They went and told the city pretty quickly. They forgot everybody involved. Brothers and sisters, we have that same truth. We have the good news of Jesus that we are called to share with our neighbors, our family, our friends, our coworkers, our fellow students in our school. We have got to share this incredible news. Jesus is alive. Jesus has died for sins. Jesus has risen again. Jesus is coming back. We have a good news to share. Look at Romans chapter 10. It says, how can they call on the one that they've not believed in? How can they call on God? How can they call on Jesus if they've never believed in him? But how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. We've got good news to share. John chapter 4, 1 John I'm sorry, John chapter four, it says, don't you have a saying? It's still four months until the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes. Look to the fields. They are ripe. They are ripe for harvest. So hold on. God's provision is here. We've got good news. We've got good news that needs to be shared and needs to share today. And we've got to celebrate his abundance. That's what the people did. Verse 16, um, it says, the people went out and they plundered the camp of the Arameans. So see a flower, it, it sold for a shekel and two seahs for a barley for a shekel. As the Lord had said, we have the provision. Colossians chapter one calls us to joyfully give thanks to the father who has qualified you, made us right with God. He passed the test for us. Jesus died for our sins. He has qualified us to his share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. He's rescued us from the dominion of darkness. He's brought us into the kingdom of the son he loved and whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He has given us eternal life and forgiveness and a relationship with God. And listen to me right now. Some of you might not have that if you've not put your faith in Jesus. For those of, us, those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, we have eternal life. But if you don't have Jesus, you don't have life. In 2 Kings chapter 7, do you remember that little officer, the army officer who didn't believe? Verse 17, it says this. Now the king put the officer on whose gate in charge of the gate and the people trampled him. They heard there's all this food. They heard there's all this stuff. We can just run outside and it's there. And they all heading out. This guy got run over and he died. He saw it. He saw the provision, but he didn't get to eat it. Just as the man of God first told, he missed it. He missed it because of unbelief. Brothers and sisters, today is a day of celebration. Today we celebrate the abundance of God, his forgiveness, his provision. We celebrate eternity, but you can miss it. You can miss it if you've never put your faith in Jesus. If you've never put your faith in Jesus, you don't have the forgiveness. You don't have the food. You can miss it both now and for eternity. But many of us are missing it too. Oh yeah, we have eternity. We have a relationship with God. Heaven is already taken care of, but we're living our lives in this, oh my gosh, oh, woe is me. How are we ever gonna get through? How are we ever gonna make it? God, are you even good? No, he's good. His love endures forever. He's faithful. When you're under temptation, he will provide a way out. The provision is already here. His name is Jesus. The Holy Spirit has already been given to us. We have his power. We are just 
Missing it. Missing it because of unbelief. Missing it because of unbelief. I know that it's been a long time. I know that it's like I, I, you're lifting, you're lifting, and those muscles are starting to break. They're starting to quiver. Yeah, I, I, I know. Hang on. Hold on. Tomorrow you'll see his provision. Then maybe it's the next day, but it's coming because it's already here. If you need to give your life to Jesus, maybe today's your day. Just I, I'm going to be up front. Pastor Barry is, if you need to come and speak to us about what, what it is to follow Jesus, you come and respond. But maybe today you just need a breakthrough. And you're saying, Lord, I've been hanging on. The, the, the sackcloth has been underneath the clothes this whole time. I've been holding on. I, I just don't think I can make it. And maybe you just want to come and receive prayer or come to the altar and just pray for a breakthrough moment for you or someone you know. Maybe you come. You respond as God is calling you. The music team's going to come, and they're going to lead us in a song. And as they do, you respond. You respond. You respond. Father, thank you so much for the grace that we have in Jesus. Thank you so much for the provision that is already here. Lord, open our eyes so that we can see. Let us see the breakthrough that you've given us. Let us see the provision that is all around us. Lord, let us see the abundance that you've given. God, help us share the good news with all, every time, and in every way. We pray these all in the name of Jesus. Amen. As we respond, you stand and you join us in singing or come forward and pray as God is calling you.